Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You know, I'm always excited about Georgia football, and this time of year, I live with the excitement about G-Day. It's just that time during the spring when you get to make it feel like football season. The weather's usually really nice, typically speaking, always a great time to be in Athens, and it's a great preview of what you might see for the upcoming season. G Day is just always a, a lot of fun. And then it kind of goes away and you kind of move into kind of summer mode there for a little bit and you blink your eyes and it's fall again. And now we're playing college football. And that's just kind of the way our life kind of works year after year after year. And yet there are some moments in which G Days may be a little bit more anticipated. There are some players from time to time that get you a little more curious and just any kind of glimpse of them whatsoever or any kind of thought about how they might fit into the pieces involving Georgia football just get you a little bit more keyed up maybe than normal this may be one of those years where that's kind of true I was already pretty excited about G-Day but some of the stuff that Kirby Smart has said over the course of the last 24 hours I think probably gets me even more excited because there are a couple of pretty significant fan favorites that I think we're going to get kind of a long look at and in one case it may be a little bit of a glimpse at what this guy might look like playing for Georgia And in another case, it might be a little bit of a reminder of how good a guy used to be prior to a little bit of injury stuff. So I think G-Day starts to feel really, really fun after listening closely to some of the stuff that Kirby Smart said. I know some of our Dog Nation guys like Mike Griffith and Connor Riley got a chance to watch some practice yesterday. I know they'll have some more reporting coming up on that in the uh, very near future. So this is a pretty cool time to be following Georgia football all the way around. And you know, I was talking to Terrence Edwards yesterday and I kind of jokingly because Terrence has long been a mentor of Eric Gilbert, the uh, terrific former five star prospect transferred into Georgia last year from LSU and obviously had a little bit of a setback and stepped away from football for a while. But now he's coming back. There has been a little bit of buzz about Gilbert here this spring about what he's been able to do and so I jokingly sarcastically said to Terrence Edwards yesterday so Terrence is Eric going to be an all-american level player this year or is it just all SEC and uh I was kidding I was laughing when I said that but I thought that Terrence had a great response back that he said BA let me tell you what an all-american season is just being back on the football field and contributing that's an all-american campaign from Gilbert and basically Terrence talking about how proud that he was of the way in which Gilbert has worked to be back in the position that he's in. And all indications are he's really done pretty well. And yesterday you got a pretty thorough assessment of Smart about what he's seen thus far from Gilbert, including specifically one thing in particular that maybe he wants to see more of and how they're evaluating Gilbert to Smart. This kind of comes down to to one word right now. This is Kirby Smart from yesterday on this. The biggest uh, hurdle for him has been the conditioning level. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is, like, learning the playbook and the conditioning level. Um, catching balls, that's not like, – like, he can catch balls. He's a good athlete. You know, he, he, uh, he came back a little heavy, and he admittedly would tell you that. He's done a tremendous job of being in our cardio club and dropping weight. Probably, you know, I, I'd hate to say I don't know, somewhere between 65 and 70, 265 and 270, and he's dropping. And um, – you know, like what's happening right now, he's starting to make more and more plays, but he's having to really work his stamina to be able to sustain during practice. And, I mean, like play after play after play after play he has to take. It's like, oh, man, i got to condition myself to get back, go again, burst, and run. Um, but I've been, you know, pleased with he, uh, Brett, and 
Oscar have taken a tremendous load on have gotten a lot of reps so obviously to be 265 or 270 pounds pounds right now that's really big and to think that he lost weight a significant amount of weight to get down to that weight well that's also pretty uh eye-opening there as well but let me say this this way and i think you'll understand what i'm saying when i say this let's say there are one of two things that were true about eric gilbert what's true here which is hey he's making plays in practice but he's a little heavy and he's having a hard time maintaining his stamina well let's say the opposite was true oh he's in great shape but he's not really making plays yet now, let me ask you a question i don't know what kirby smart would say in response to this but let me ask you this question what if i told you that one of those two scenarios would be true for gilbert which one would you rather have true he's making plays but he's a little heavy or he's in great shape but he's not really making plays yet I have no problem telling you my answer to that question is almost instantaneous. Give me the guy who's making plays and we'll find a way to slim him down as opposed to the guy, you know, who looks great, but not quite got that fire to go out and make plays as of yet. Maybe not quite figuring out how to go out there and do that. You know, I don't care how you look. I care how you play. And so if you're showing those flashes of being able to go get the football, then we'll figure out a way to get you in better shape. I mean, this is... (laughs) You don't exactly turn to me for like health advice, but this is just basic basic calorie deficit stuff, deficit stuff, right? I mean, like if you do what those Georgia nutrition people tell you to do in a few months, you're going to look exactly like you want to look. You know, I used to um, previous life used to work for radio station. I used to go spend time Falcons training camp. I'd spend a couple weeks there back when it was in Greenville up there at Furman. And back in those days, early 2000s, you know, for the most part, they let the players eat whatever they wanted to. Uh, it's almost like the coaches sometimes were more restrictive with their diet during training camp. The players were because the thought was, hey, the players are working so hard, they're going to burn off anything they eat anyway. So eat ice cream, eat you know red meat, eat, 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 eat whatever you want, uh, you know fried foods even sometimes because you're going to burn it off anyway. That's kind of the way things used to be. It's not quite that way now, but the still the overall point still remains is like, listen, when you got a big engine that's powering a guy like uh, Eric Gilbert, uh, the fuel is going to take care of itself. It's, you're going to burn off that fuel. There's no problem with that whatsoever. So. Uh, while that is certainly very big you know bigger than big in, in, in some respects if he's making plays in practice that's sort of all I really need to know I feel like the strength and conditioning staff the nutrition staff will take care of everything else but the fact that he's making plays during practice at least we, that's what we've been led to believe that's kind of the thing that gets me more excited about g-day because i want to see what this looks like i want to see i, I want to see how the guy that i saw at marietta high school who was i mean i just thought a star in the making how all of that now projects in the uniform that I always hoped he would eventually wear, which is the, with the Georgia Bulldogs. What does GNA look like for Eric Gilbert? And to kind of go into this a little bit more detail, Smart was asked directly yesterday about the position. You know, at one point in time, we exclusively thought of uh, Gilbert as a tight end. Then Gilbert kind of made it known that he wanted to play wide receiver. That's kind of what Georgia brought him in as. If you look at like rosters to the extent they mean anything, Gilbert's listed as a wide receiver. But apparently, according to Kirby Smart yesterday, that's not what he's really considered as anymore. Uh, Once again, Kirby Smart on a guy that we're looking forward to hopefully getting a chance to see at G-Day, Eric Gilbert. Do we just think he's a tight end? I mean, at the end of the day, it's last year. Uh, it was probably a greater deficit. It was uh, something that he 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 wanted to be more wide out. He also was much lighter, you know. So he, he he's a little heavier now. He's more physical now. Um, he's he's a tight end. That's that's what he's probably going to develop. You know, there's a certain requirement as a receiver it takes to play receiver in terms of stamina, uh, running every play, going to cutoff block. You know, at tight end. Our tight ends are receivers. They do play receiver, but they don't go out all the time split out wide and that's something that he was having to do and he's comfortable in the role he's in right now and he's 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 really like he's got all the ways to go he has not arrived 
but he's come so far from not being able to execute a play to being able to execute a play, know what to do, and then hurry back and get the call in the next play and line up. I'm just proud of the way he's he's fought to learn it. You know, he's 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 fighting stamina out there because he's taking so many reps, and and I'm really just pleased with his growth. And listen, that one little phrase there is probably an intentional message by Smart to carnival barkers like me who want to kind of hype things up just because it's fun to do so. Uh, as I said before, you know, the chatter around Gilbert gets us more excited about G-Day. But as Kirby Smart says, hey, he hasn't arrived yet. You know, let's don't make this more than it is, which I think is certainly a, a fair thing to keep in mind. But I want to see him. And I'm guessing you probably do there as well. And I got to tell you, Gilbert as a tight end, it's the position I think he probably should have always been, you know, more likely playing anyway. That is a potential problem for a lot of people around the SEC and for anybody else who might line up opposite UGA. If you're safety or if you're defensive coordinator, are you excited about trying to find a way to cover him? I mean, uh, Todd Munkin showed you a year ago, he's pretty creative when it comes to finding ways to use tight ends, tight ends that are like wide receivers like Brock Bowers. Well, lo and behold, that's kind of what Eric Gilbert is there as well. That's a huge, huge, huge potential problem for a lot of folks on Georgia's schedule for the upcoming season. Can't wait to see him on G-Day. Another guy that I pretty much feel the same way about, too, is Dominic Blayla. And listen, it has been a long journey for Blaylock. 2019 starts to just feel kind of like a long time ago. I'm always amazed by how fast time goes by and what was at one point in time last year all of a sudden turns into several years ago, and that's kind of what 2019 sort of feels like now. It's one of those things that a minute ago seemed like yesterday. Now it seems like ancient history. But when Blaylock was a freshman way back then, He's doing some very big things for Georgia. He's a very reliable receiving target for a team that didn't have nearly enough of those there that season. And since then, it's been a lot of injury setbacks. And I think sometimes what I would feel like if I was in that position, knowing how hard the the you know like the physical therapy work is, even to 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 get strong again in those joints and those uh, tendons and everything else, to to do the work that needs to be done with all of that, it'd be very easy just to become discouraged. But According to Kirby Smart yesterday, sounds like that's not the case. We even had a chance to hear from Blaylock yesterday, which you can actually go watch on the Dog Nation YouTube page. Uh, you can see the full conversation, full interview with him. I'm sure we'll get a chance to play some of that for you coming up in future days. But in particular here, once again, a guy that we're hoping to see a lot of on G-Day, what Kirby Smart said about Blaylock, I think, is not to be missed. And it's a reminder of just how special of a player he can be for Georgia now that it seems like he's far healthier than he's been in quite some time. Kirby on Blaylock once again from yesterday. Oh, he's wired the right way. You know, I mean, this kid uh, came up tough. Uh, he's had two older brothers that uh, helped, you know, toughen him up. He didn't grow up soft. He's not afraid of contact. He never complains. I mean, he just doesn't complain. And if anybody has something to complain about, it'd be him. All he does is work. And, um, you know, he's probably still not to his electric in terms of uh, vertical speed, but he's really savvy route runner. He he does really well in the slot. He just made a play in two minutes that was a a big play, a diving catch that set the offense up to to win a two-minute situation. I mean, he's he's getting better and he's getting more confidence in that knee. And – I'm excited to see where he goes, but more than, more than anything, I'm excited to see him get out there and play because our team takes on a lot of his resiliency DNA, and it's something we sell our players on. I just love that. I'm excited to go out there and see him play. I am too. It's worth $5 to me to see Dominic Blaylock on GD. That's how much the tickets cost. It's worth two hours of my time if I'm not able to be in Sanford Stadium but tuning in on television to see Dominic Blaylock play because I know how hard he has worked to get back to that spot i remember how good he used to be i gotta tell you as a fan of this team which y'all know that i am seeing blaylock seeing gilbert to me that's 
that's really exciting. That's really pretty fun, regardless of who it is that's throwing the football and which team they're playing. I just think that's really fun. And let me also say one more thing on this there as well, which is, you know, yesterday we had Terrence Edwards on the show. One of the things he talked about was, hey, what he thinks that Arian Smith and CJ Smith, those two blazing speedsters at wide receiver, what they have a chance to do for UGA. And as Kirby Smart was talking there, he was talking about how, you know, Blaylock may not be quite full go yet in terms of his explosiveness and things like that. But he did mention, you know, savvy route runner. And I don't know, y'all tell me, it seems like when it comes to like playing personalities, the wide receiver position probably makes more room for more different styles, playing personalities than anything else. It's like, and we have this conversation, you know, pretty naturally. Like when I'm talking to high school coaches, we're talking about their wide receivers. Hey, who's your speed guy? Who's your slot guy? You know, who's your, who's your uh, uh, you know, possession receiver or whatever else? These are just kind of, you know, kind of the sort of language that football fans kind of understand. And, you know, if, if you're, the most well-developed offense you can be you want all of those different types you know sometimes you don't quite have that speedster when you don't have that it makes everything else a little bit harder but it sounds like according to Terrence yesterday that you've got guys like CJ and and Arian that might be able to take the top off a defense which leaves a lot of room to to work underneath and that's where you want to have as Smart said the savvy route runner that's a personality that can show up and make an offense better and at one point in time that's what Blaylock really was certainly a sure-handed guy and now he's healthy enough again that he can be again maybe what he showed flashes of being in 2019. You know, I don't know what all this adds up to yet. We got a long offseason to figure that out. But seeing it with my own eyes coming up on April 16th, that's something I want to do. And my guess is you probably do as well. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger. And hello to you, and thanks for being with us. Happy Friday, April Fools. Keep your head on a swivel. But any kind of crazy stuff there, we don't have any of that planned for you today. Uh, Some of y'all may end up tricking me, but I won't trick you. But either way, we're glad to have you as a part of the program here today, whether you're tuning in at 945 for First and 15 on the Dog Nation app or dognation.com. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio at noon, on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, and as a podcast, wherever you find them, Apple, Spotify, uh just all the various podcast platforms it's been a great run for the podcast and we're certainly thankful for all of that we appreciate you showing up for that each and every day having a great time on all of that by the way big thanks to our friends at kroger also for making all this possible there as well and listen this is a time i would say that my non-georgia football non-college football related conversations it seems like a inordinate amount of those discussions are about right now how expensive everything is and maybe the thing that's the most expensive all right now is the fuel that you're putting in your vehicle we're all living with that because we all have to drive to get to work that's how we fund our life is by moving around and getting to work and the fuel that powers the vehicles that we use seemingly has never been more expensive and kroger is here to help with all that they've got some fuel rewards that you need to take advantage of because you're going to earn a fuel point for every dollar you spend in a kroger store or online at kroger.com you can also earn twice the fuel points when you purchase gift cards and during special weekends throughout the year so big time savings opportunities coming your way via kroger with the kroger fuel points and the double fuel point opportunities there as well also check out kroger boost for more on that too but kroger.com you can go on the website and find out more about this stop by in store learn about that there as well but basically it's as simple as this spend money at kroger earn those fuel points and in some cases you can even earn twice the fuel points there as well and who wouldn't want to do that all right, we'll get Jeff Sintel. We'll talk some UJ recruiting with him in just a moment. Before that, let me set up the conversation with Jeff by going around the doghouse. And I'm going to invite you to check out something. Now, I wanted to play you some of the audio from this. I just don't have time to. We've already been on the air for a little while. We just can't always do everything I want to do. But Jeff's interview 
with Jamari Salyer on Wednesday, I thought was really very interesting. And we're going to talk about the uh, Salyer thing with Jeff a little bit more in a moment. But in the midst of talking about his own career and everything else, there was one thing that Salyer kind of got into that I thought was really pretty cool. He had some very nice things to say about Broderick Jones. And he talked about the way in which Jones stepped in the national championship game and really helped Georgia win that football game. Does Georgia win the title game if if Jones doesn't step in and play right there? I, I don't know. Uh, but certainly Jamari was impressed with the way that Brad stepped in there and with the way that he did that. In fact, one of the clips that, that is worth your time from the from the Salyer interview is one in which he kind of talked about, hey, remember when that game kind of seemed at its lowest point, you know, the fumble or whatever you want to call it had, had occurred and Alabama had kind of taken the lead. And, you know, this was the time that Georgia needed to rally. Uh, and, and, and Jamari kind of talked about the way in which the offensive line kind of became the focal point for that, that the, you know, the, the two tight ends in the game and going power and being strong and reasserting yourself along the offensive line of scrimmage, how that helped Georgia set up the very successful fourth quarter that it enjoyed. And we're all reminded that, hey, you know, Broderick Jones was a part of that, that that the thing that helped Georgia regain its confidence after a low point was what was happening there along the line of scrimmage and the insertion of Broderick Jones was a big part of that. And I said before, it's worth your time to go find the YouTube page. It's Before the Hedges, presented by Kroger from Wednesday. A really good conversation with Jeff, with Jamari Salyer, in discussing all of that. But lo and behold, I already kind of had that on my mind. And then yesterday, Broderick Jones also met with reporters, and he kind of talked about the experience of playing in the national championship game. Michael, do we have the Broderick Jones here? Can we play Broderick on the subject of what it felt like to him to to be in that title game, the way that Jamari Salyer described his impact? This was Broderick Jones from yesterday. You know, it was just a surreal feeling being able to play in the national championship game. Like, that's just like a huge dream that any kid that plays – on a college level dream for. So it was, I know like I didn't play as much or I didn't start, but I felt like I've gotten better over the past seasons that I've been here, preparing myself and just, you know, being able to step up when my name is called. Let's be clear about one thing. Broderick Jones didn't just play in the national championship game. He stepped in, played very well. He may have saved George's bacon. So Broderick's being a little humble there and like, oh, man, it's just great to be here. You know, it's like what the what do the Academy Award winners say when they're not slapping each other? Uh, I'm just thankful to be nominated. Uh, you know, like Broderick's like, hey, I'm just thankful to be nominated. It's just an honor to be nominated. No, that's not what he's uh, that's not what he's uh, uh, what the real story was. The real story was he was inserted into the game and he provided a level of energy to Georgia that actually helped propel it to victory. But it's cool that he's being a little bit humble about that. And one more thing to kind of tie this back to the Jamari Sire thing for a moment. The other thing that Salyer kind of said in passing with Jeff on Wednesday was, you know, Jamari, much like Broderick Jones is going to have turned out to do, he waited a little while. Jamari was like big time, five star, elite, megawatt prospect for the class of 2018. But it's not like he just stepped on this campus and dominated. He, he didn't do that. He waited. He had to wait a little bit. And one of the things that Jamari said with Jeff was, is that he actually probably learned more about the game while he was waiting. That that the time he spent watching was actually maybe very instrumental for him in terms of learning what it takes to be the kind of player that he eventually became. And 
remains to be seen how well Broderick Jones has used that same time for him, but he's also done some waiting here. You know, he had to be inserted into the lineup because previously he was not in the lineup, especially as an offensive tackle. So what did Broderick Jones learn while he was watching? Well, we're about to find that out because it certainly looks like left tackle is his spot to have here for this upcoming season. Another curiosity for us on G-Day there as well, but kind of growing into a Jamari Salyer-style role for the Dogs this season. Hmm, I think that's uh, that's pretty good stuff and pretty good to think about. In fact, Kirby Smart yesterday also went into a little more detail about, as Broderick Jones does expand his horizons here now as a presumed starter for Georgia, what that means from him, what they want to see more of. Kirby did talk about that yesterday. Here it is. Well, I think confidence has helped, and I think he learned from some really good leaders. You know, Jamari and um, and who am I missing there? Uh, Sailor, well, Jamari and Justin. Both those guys were great leaders. I think he learned a lot from them. Um, he has to continue to learn to. You, you got to be productive and physical yourself. The one thing about those two guys, they were extremely physical. They enjoyed the contact part. The run game came easy for them. Um, that for Broderick, he has to really work and strain at that because he's he's a really good athlete. He's a long guy, so pass pro is much easier for him. But run game, he has to get his pad level down and strain to become a good player. But he's trying to be uh, more positive with the other guys and encourage them when there's mistakes. Because you know, two years ago, he was that guy. And uh, he's, he's, he's growing into his role, I think. Yeah, I mean, in light of what Smart says there and the way in which Broderick's kind of taking the baton from Jamari Salyer, going back and hearing some of the stuff that Salyer said about uh, Broderick on Wednesday probably makes a lot of sense there. And it's cool to see this development taking place because while, you know, Broderick appears ready to take that next step, you know, this is you know maybe the role that maybe a guy like Amarius Mims might find himself in the following year right 20 going into the 2023 season it may be Mims turn to do what Jones is doing right now and patience is a virtue in life and it certainly is one of those things in college football where the patience that Broderick Jones has shown allowed himself to grow both physically and spiritually and mentally and everything else now makes him more ready to be a starting left tackle at Georgia maybe more so than he would have been in the past and maybe you know, other five stars kind of waiting the wings. Maybe they'll get the same chance to do that there as well. And obviously it's cool to have a guy like Jamari Sayer to learn from and, and to, to to grow, you know, kind of in the shadow of. And that seems to be all progressing the right way for Georgia. I do have high hopes for this offensive line this season. And the presence of Broderick Jones now as a full-time starter is clearly a pretty big part of all of that. So really, really good stuff there around the doghouse. All right, busy show for us coming up here. Before we're done, I had a little bit of a, what do you call this, like an epiphany? Is that, I'm saying that word correctly. I had a little bit of an epiphany about the Georgia-Florida rivalry yesterday. Kind of, <laughs> I mean this half serious, half kidding. I'll probably tell you about that uh, before the show is done. Uh, there is a really cool new event coming up with the Atlanta Braves. I want to make sure you're aware of this before we're done the show today. Obviously, just happy to have Major League Baseball coming back. Braves defending World Series champions. That's really cool, too. They got a lot of stuff going on. But one thing in particular I want you to be aware of uh, that involves the George Bulldogs. I'll tell you about that coming up before we're done. But for now, busy in the world of recruiting. A lot going on. Five Star getting ready to make his announcement today. Five Star getting ready to visit UGA. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff and a little bit more on the uh, Salyer stuff from Wednesday. Let's do it all right now here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger with our buddy Jeff Sintel. Good to have him for some recruiting talk and all of you on board here today as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. 
So I say hello to Jeff Sintel here, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. And, of course, Before the Hedge is presented by Kroger on Wednesday. Good stuff from Jamari Sire. We were just talking about that a moment ago. And, you know, Jeff, there was a lot from Jamari that I loved. But a lot of the stuff on Broderick Jones and that national championship game in particular, to me, kind of stands out there because, you know, not only did he say some nice things about Broderick, but one of the things that, that Sal, you talked about with you the other night was when the moment was kind of at its lowest after, you know, whatever had happened there that, you know, was ruled a fumble that turned into an Alabama lead, it was really leaning on the offensive line of scrimmage that allowed the Georgia, according to Salyer, a guy who was part of all this, to regain that confidence necessary to kind of march through the fourth quarter and allow Georgia to propel itself to victory. Broderick Jones would have been a part of that. You know, I know Brad talked uh, yesterday a little bit uh, after practice, but, you know, this is not just a uh, young guy getting inserted into a lineup. This is a young guy who got inserted into a lineup and kind of changed the game while he was in there. And uh, Jamari Sire with you on Wednesday on Before the Hedges was pretty articulate about all of that. What did you think of uh, Jamari in general, but the stuff in particular that he said about Jones? Well, Brandon, it's, a, it's really one of those full circle moments for myself as a as a reporter because I remember talking to, to Jamari in like his sophomore year, freshman year at Pace and hearing about his dreams as a young man to go play college football, go play in big games, maybe win a national championship, go get drafted. And he's walking that path right now and he's walking it really with his head held high. You got my mind turning, Brandon, about that. And I mean, I mean, Jamari, Mr. Salyer really gave away some of the secret sauce for a lot of Georgia's success this year. I would challenge anybody to tell me how successful they think Georgia would be if you could not let them line up in 12 personnel or those heavy tight end packages a year ago because that's really where Georgia was at its best. And I think I think that personnel grouping really fit what Stetson Bennett was going to do. And then you, you hearken to Broderick Jones and Brandon, you're probably not going to like me for this, but I think it harkens back to something you said all along. Keep stacking up those elite yeah. offensive linemen, those elite players at anywhere, and sooner or later one of them is going to hit. And I think one of the biggest things right now that folks are worried about in spring practice is Amarius Mims. And they're like, hey, Amarius needs to get in there. It's his time to play. He could probably start for almost every team in the FCC right now. But Broderick Jones is hit, and he's really stinking good. So it's almost like, you know, Somebody's not going to play and somebody's going to wait. But Salyer is the perfect example because he didn't play right away. He shared with me on Wednesday night that he needed guys like Kendall Baker and Lamont Galliard and Andrew Thomas to get in his head and said, man, young buck, I know it's not your time right now, but if we need you, we know you're going to be ready. We know you're ready to help us. It's just not your time right now. And I think that is so vital when you look at every position at Georgia where you've got a guy like a Mims waiting his turn, or you got a guy like a Shmuel Munden or Xavier Sori, all those positions at Georgia, and even these new faces, Brandon, that are showing up, all those early enrollees. Everybody wants the quick, fast, now, gimme, gimme, gimme. But I think Jamari Salyer is a perfect example. Didn't really play until his third year at Georgia, but boy, when he started playing his third year at Georgia, he not only excelled as a starter, he excelled as a starter at a different position and was ready to play at center and was ready to play at guard. That's why Jamari is so going to be so valuable in the NFL. Well, I think you're right about that. And it's one thing that we've talked actually a lot on the show uh, about the last couple of days. You know, Kendall Milton brought this up 
last week about his need to be patient when he arrived at a place like Georgia because everybody's good once you get here. And admittedly, as you said, I've talked about this plenty, that you do want to stack up talent, let it sort itself out once it gets here. If you want the strongest possible roster, that's just what you have to do, which means everybody's got to get used to, you know, maybe not rising to the top quite as quickly as they want to. But, Jeff, it's not just players who have to be patient. It's fans there as well. You know, fans have a tendency, and I'm not picking on fans because I am one, but uh, fans have a tendency to, if a guy's not playing right away, uh, they think something's wrong. Or if he does play soon and doesn't play well, they think something's wrong with that there as well. Like, they just want to accelerate the – some fans anyway – just want to accelerate the news cycle so quick which is hey if you're not dominating from day one then you're never going to be any good at all and that's just not even logical and that's just not we have so many examples in georgia football history including maybe right now of guys that it took a couple of years for but the wait was certainly worth it and i just hope we can all kind of keep that in mind that hey you know a lot of folks may have wondered at one point in time what's wrong with broder jones because he wasn't playing right away but now it seems like he's arriving right on time and jamari cyrus kind of much the same way other guys other positions kind of the same thing where we're going to ask players to be patient hey don't jump in the transfer portal right away if things aren't going perfect for you but those of us who are fans of this team we ought to be a little patient too i think that's right i mean the main thing is this: people are going to portal people are going to portal away from georgia but the thing to watch for is to not start grabbing your pearls and clutching those pearls when so-and-so leaves Georgia and starts right away at this other school. That says a lot more about the school they're going to than Georgia or maybe the player and his skill set themselves. And I, you can look at a lot of positions at Georgia, Brandon. I think Jamon Dumas-Johnson is going to be one of the breakout stars of not only the spring but of this season. But even he had to wait behind three first-rounders or three second-rounders or third-rounders. That's what you got to do. I mean, Quay Walker, a great example. Kenny Kendall, really, the bulk of his NFL resume is largely the 2021 National Championship season, and it's enough. And I think it will eventually be enough for a guy like Broderick Jones. He's a wire-to-wire, wall-to-wall starter at left tackle. Jamari even said that, hey, Broderick Jones is probably a better pass protector than I am. And Brandon, Jamari did not, did not give up but one sack in two years of SEC play, yeah. playing out of position at the premium position at left tackle. And oh, who got him on that? That was Will Anderson. When maybe, maybe kind of, sort of, he jumped the snap a little bit. Jamari said a whole lot. I thought it was one of our better uh, before the Hedges Dog Nation conversations ever. But he left your appetite, man. He told you a little bit of nuggets there about Robert Beal going to be a bad, bad man in 2022. And he talked about Michael Williams and about his welcome to Georgia moment. And he knew, even said, hey, the young buck even got me a couple of times in practice on a few pass rushes because that's what's supposed to happen in practice. And it just keeps churning, Brandon. These guys keep coming in. And if you listen really closely to the ground, my friend, you can hear that the Sean Washington, the Jalen Walkers, the Bear Alexanders, the Michael Williams. Heck, Christian Miller's not even at Georgia yet, but he's there every weekend, and he's there all the time watching practice. Watch really quickly, Brandon, these next 18 months, Mm -hmm. how those guys form the new core of what I see is going to be another championship-level defense in Georgia. All right, let me talk to you about one more thing here real quick, which is that when Jamari shows the replica Indy car from uh, the national championship, it's just like the one that was like in downtown Indianapolis. There was a Bama one and a Georgia one there that day. 
Jeff, that's one of the coolest artifacts from Indianapolis that I've seen. And, you know, listen, I've tried to do some Google searching on this and some other folks have there as well. It is not easily found. This like Georgia themed IndyCar with the national championship box kind of around it. Was this a player only gift? Yeah, they're, they're, thank you very much, Michael. Uh, that's the photo right there. What looks to be like the Georgia IndyCar with the national championship logo. Is, is that a player only gift that Jamari showed? Because that's not easily found by 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 the searching that i've been doing but that's one of the coolest things that i've seen in terms of coming back home from indianapolis you know anything about that well brandon you uh you have all those dog nation daily spiders and webs and that network you have of folks i can't believe the collective power of your audience can't cough up and scrounge up about five indie cards to me it sounds like jamari didn't even know where it came from it sounds like it was a player only gift it sounds like you know, it's kind of like those bowl rings and those gift bags, Brandon. I don't know if it was Georgia's themed. I think it was a maybe a generic, not generic, but a um, – Like just a championship logo, a yeah. Baseline Natty Championship Indy 2022 logo. I think that's what it was. But, you know, Brandon, I know some friends. There's some. I got some friends of mine that are avid Georgia collectors, and they find a way for things like bowl watches and rings. Yeah, there you go jerseys and stuff like that somehow show up on the internet for sale and i bet just bet there'll be some of those trickling around as well but you know brandon it sounds to me like you pay you pay a couple pennies a couple steak dinners for one of those cars yeah listen if that's a like you may be right it may just be the generic indianapolis logo but if that's a georgia indy car and the players got one. I don't know. For the players who are watching right now, HMU, you may get a little NIL deal out of that if I could, if I could get my hands on one of those cars, I say uh, half-kiddingly. A uh, lot going on with uh, Georgia recruiting. Speaking of NIL, uh, five-star prospect LT Overton getting ready to make his college decision uh, later on this afternoon on ESPN two i think it is uh either way yeah espn two uh this afternoon 3 p.m eastern time uh does not seem like the good guy is going to win this one uh how much of this ends up being about i I don't know jeff you know previous ties the overton family may have had a texas a&m or a willingness to texas a&m to kind of entertain some of the stuff maybe the overton family kind of wants you know uh, you know what is the autopsy on this for how it never really materialized with Georgia and uh, Lebius Overton after Overton reclassified. Yeah, I don't know if I'm buying the, the deal. And it's funny, a lot of the things you hear is Georgia's recruiting him as an outside linebacker, not as where most of the industry sees him to continue to get bigger and be a, an interior player, maybe a four-eye, maybe a five-technique, something like that. Um, you know, for me, I don't know if I'm buying that A&M, which is the clubhouse leader, is ponying up, uh, I'm going to use that word inappropriately, maybe, or maybe appropriately, ponying up uh, two scholarships for Overton and his brother. But in this day and age, it may just mean something like, you know, the NIL deal happens for the brother, which allows the younger brother, which allows the older brother to come in as a preferred walk-on, and maybe maybe the cost of attending out-of-state at Texas A&M are a little bit different. Um, you know, the thing for me is that I always thought that Oregon was the team to watch there in the long run, meaning maybe if the NIL deal or NIL deals matched up, because Oregon doesn't have a, a surplus of D linemen like like Overton in the program or even in the 2022 class, whereas Texas A&M and Georgia do. If you had to argue what were the some of the best positions that Georgia and Texas A&M both loaded up on, that would be the defensive line. I think 
record serves, memory serves, Brandon. I think that Texas A&M is still going to bring in about two or three defensive linemen, front seven players, higher rated in the 2022 class than even L.C. Overton um, with his reclassification to 2022. What do you think about the idea of the reclassifying anyway? I mean, to my mind, I'm not an expert on basketball recruiting, but it seems like the reclassifying thing there has been – you know, kind of a thing for a while. We've had some of this in football. I, Jake Bentley, I guess, comes to mind here. Uh, the the defensive back that went to North Carolina uh, a, a, maybe a year or so ago. But, I mean, do you think the notion of reclassifying is going to become more of a thing? I mean, we certainly know what the idea of a redshirt year looks like. A lot of these guys have two eighth grade years. But when it comes to, like, reclassifying and moving up a year – do you think we're going to see more of that? Because for a guy like Overton, who I think is a really good prospect, I've seen him play, and I think he's good, but he's stepping into an Aggies program that is really deep along the defensive line. They have been very successful in particular when it comes to defensive line recruiting. Um, I think this is a kind of an interesting test case. Do you see it that way? Brandon, here's what I, I, I see it. and Maybe I hear a little bit of uh, Kirby Smart in, my, in the back of my ear when he talks about you know that Keith Jackson, whoa, Zelle about um, what's going on with guys coming in and playing early in the trenches in the SEC. Right? I think it's totally different to re- reclassify as a corner, reclassify as a skill threat, reclassify as a lockdown corner, reclassify as a quarterback. I think that's a little bit different than reclassifying into a class one year early with a trench role, with a trench mob warrior warfare down there, Brandon. Man, it's different down there in those trenches. A lot of grown men, and you do not need to be one year advanced, skipping school a little bit to get in there in the in the trenches with those guys. I think it's different. I'm going to say it pretty, pretty, pretty bluntly, man. When LT Overton goes from the class of 2023, without a doubt, one of the top ten prospects in the country in 2023, and then when he goes to the class of 2022, he becomes, in my mind, a top 40, top 50 prospect, considering what he looks like, considering his skill set considering his junior year where he was banged up a lot, got a lot of basketball, got a lot of, you know, athleticism, which translates to the whole hardwood, which makes him an elite prospect on the defensive line. But I think that's a whole different ball game when you've got a defensive lineman reclassifying, jumping in a year early, and then expecting to play right away in the SEC. I just don't see that happening in a lot of places. I think you're probably right about that. Uh, a couple other things here. It looks like Janelle Aguero. I know you uh, had some social media stuff about this. Aguero himself has kind of talked about this there as well. He's on his way to uh, taking a Georgia visit this weekend. There are a lot of very interesting safety prospects. That, yeah, there's Aguero on Twitter right there. There are a lot of very interesting safety prospects in this class, including a really good one in-state. Uh, but Aguero is certainly one to like there as well, and it sounds like Georgia's got a chance to impress him this weekend. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so Brandon, that one's going to be very important because I think Georgia was in a good spot there with Aguero about four or five months ago, really four or five months ago. And then his great friend, Kamari Wilson, chose Florida. And then you've seen him visit, let me see, Ohio State, uh, LSU back-to-back weekends. One of those weekends was with his seven-on-seven team, so that's not exactly quite the same. So I think this is a get reacquainted visit with Georgia, kind of wake up the echoes a little bit of why he loved Georgia, get to meet a new DB coach, although I think that's vernacular that doesn't really matter to this conversation because if what I'm hearing is correct and what we're learning is correct, Fran Brown is really the specialist there for the cornerbacks. And then, you know, Coach Muschamp, Coach Boom is the guy that has really 
headed up the recruitment for Aguero for quite some time. So I think the safety specialist, the safety coach is still Coach Muschamp. So I don't know if the, the new coach, the new defensive back coach in title there really affects Aguero. Brandon, he's another highly volatile, very interesting prospect at safety. He's going to bring the wood. He's going to bring up a lot of things that everyone liked about Lewisine. Now, he's not 6'2 and about 195 pounds like Lewisine is or was when he got to Georgia. So I think Aguero's a little bit different. He plays some cornerback at IMG. He's really physical to me. He really looks special um, playing inside the box, coming down inside the box in run support. And he's fast, Brandon. He's about a 4'3", high 4'3'9 or so on the laser when they timed him at IMG as a junior. So let me finish with this then, Jeff. There's been a lot kind of going on lately. You've had some really good updates um, at dognation.com as of late. As we get ready to say goodbye to you here, what else do Georgia fans need to know as this busy month of March continues to to roll on? Georgia had a lot of key visitors last week. Once again, that's kind of on tap here too. First scrimmage of the uh, spring takes place on Saturday there as well, but the recruiting work's not slowing down. You know, I've heard, you know, you know, rumblings about Vic Burley being back in town, things like that. But but what if you want to just give us a quick thumbnail here of what else we need to know about Georgia recruiting as we move towards the weekend, how would you draw it up? Yeah, I think I'm going to I'm going to just say this is the the key thing for here is the offensive class at Georgia. That needs to be uh installed. I think the big thing that's happening, Brandon, is the wide receivers are 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 nibbling at the hook. Let me say that. Mac, Todd Munkin, the quarterbacks. I think the white, the right wide receivers are nibbling at the hook, and they're nibbling at the hook a little bit more than they have in the past, even last year when Georgia had a lot of near misses. I think what I want folks to recognize is, remember, we did not have recruiting visits like this a year ago until June the 1st, and that's given Georgia a lot more runway to really get in with the a Hakeem Williams, a Tyler Williams, a Devin Hyatt, a Jalen Hale. I mean, all those receivers that you've been frothing at the mouth for, Brandon, those yeah. guys are giving Georgia a greater look right now, and there's more chances for Georgia to get in there. And I, I can't say enough about how I think BMAC is going to help Georgia's recruiting. It's already helping Georgia's recruiting with a lot of guys where guys were feeling a certain sort of way about maybe checking out BMAC at Oregon and then checking him out at Miami. And he's just brought that all over to Georgia now when he's got the drapery of a national championship elite program around. Brandon, there's some five-star defensive linemen coming to see Georgia again this weekend. But the thing here with this class, I'm going to keep hitting it over the head, even though this is a defensive-minded, defensive-centric program, is the offensive class has to come together in this class. And I think the big storylines right now is what Georgia can do um, on the offensive front with wide receivers, those playmakers. Deuce Robinson, the five-star nation's number one tight end, might even be a Freddie Freeman-type baseball player one day and not even play football at all. He's supposed to be in town this weekend as well. The offensive side of the ball, maybe there's a young Manning, a young man named Manning that becomes the figurehead or the spearhead for for the offensive recruiting. If he comes to the fold in Georgia in the next two or three months, I think that's what you got to watch for. Jeff, really good stuff. Thanks for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger today. I know you'll be all over the recruiting news as it continues to unfold, and we will look forward to speaking to you again next time. Hey, man, good luck for that car, Brandon. Somebody help him out. Somebody help VA out with the car. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate that. 
take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Somebody who's just tuning in is like, oh, B.A. needs a car? Yeah, this is not Eric Dickerson, the Trans Am. <laughs> this is something slightly different than that, although we do have a very similar story to uh, that kind of thing coming up here in just a moment. In fact, we have a very busy show still left for you. Um, we'll get to that story in just a couple minutes' time. Braves have a big event coming up for dog fans. I want you to be aware of. I'll tell you about that before we're done. Speaking of baseball, Georgia had a big walk-off win last night against the Diamond Dogs. We'll have some fun with that. So we're we still have a lot left to do on the show today to close things out on a Friday. Before we get into any of that, though, we're cruising on the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and of course, your chance to be on board with us. Independence of the Seas coming up very, very soon. Almost showtime, go time for the very first ever Dog Nation cruise. Your chance to cruise with Dog Nation as we leave out of Port Canaveral on April 25th, going to Nassau in the Bahamas, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, great private island exclusively for those on a Royal Caribbean cruise. We're enjoying the thrill side, the chill side there, and the really cool things on board. The wonderful uh, Independence of the Seas. That means specialty restaurants like Chops Grill and Playmaker Sports Bar. That means uh, cool bars like the Lime and Coconut right there next to the pool and all the other stuff that's on board there, Royal Promenade and everything else. It is an unbelievable experience, and I want you to be a part of it. So go to DogNationCruise.com or go to the top of the page at DogNation.com. Click in the link, and while there's still a little bit of time, you can get booked up, booked up to join up with us on the very first ever cruise of the Dog Nation. That is coming up. All right, cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and recently SEC Brethren Missouri hosted former Georgia quarterback JT Daniels. Now Daniels, though, has another official visit that he's set to take. Pete Thamel from ESPN, I think the first to report here, that Daniels will take an official visit to West Virginia. This is not unexpected news. This was kind of thought to be the third team that's in this race for right now after Daniels had previously visited Oregon State, previously, as I said, visited Missouri, now on his way to a West Virginia official visit here in the uh, upcoming days and so after that i guess we'll see if daniels is then ready to make a decision he obviously can't leave and move on to a new school until he finishes his coursework at uga but that doesn't preclude him from making a commitment decision so we'll kind of find out the best i can tell it's kind of a missouri oregon state west virginia type of thing for jt daniels and so we'll see what his next home ends up being but uh pete thamel is out there with that reporting on that today i mentioned crazy recruiting story so Fred Taylor is a former Florida running back, and Taylor was on one of I think one of the barstool shows. So um, he's on the show. I think we have. Let me let me. I think we have the quote here. So um, the hosts. I didn't know who they were. I, like I know some of the barstool people. I, I didn't know these these guys. So they're asking, "Hey, I heard you got uh, fifty thousand dollars in a duffel bag from Georgia." Uh, obviously, Taylor ended up going to Florida, and so what Taylor says is, "It wasn't a duffel bag," and ha ha ha, guffawing laughter ensues. But it was a lot of cash, man. When Taylor was asked if the amount was indeed around $50,000, he replied, he was up there. It was just closer to $50,000 than $30,000. Those were just the days. He goes over to say uh, that in terms of how he would get money, I would go over to this guy's place and say, hi, I'm in West Palm. I'm visiting my mom. And he'd say, ah, come over to my place. I'd get $1,000 or $1,500 or three grand every time I went over. And I went over three or four times a week. He said, uh, so, uh, you know, it's pretty funny from taylor and obviously a story like this went viral and you know i think the way in which a lot of people use a story like this right now too is for people who have any kind of like skepticism about nil whatsoever they say well see this kind of stuff's been going on forever paying players didn't just start with nil it's been going on forever based on fred taylor's story right here and listen in my official capacity as host of dog nation daily i'm not willing to stipulate 
uh, neither confirming nor denying anything like this has ever happened in the past. As far as I know, it's all conjecture. As far as I, I you know, I, I know here in my official capacity on all this. But if we were to stipulate just for the sake of conversation that improper benefits have been a part of the college football story in the past, here's the one thing you can't deny. The system still worked fine. And I'm always kind of fascinated by this, that there are a lot of people who will say, oh, yeah, this has been going on forever. You know, Fred Taylor got $50,000. So-and-so got, you know, whatever. I mean, you, you, everybody has their own story they can kind of fill in with all this. And I'm not in a position to deny, deny any of that, nor am I in a position to confirm any of that. But those stories have kind of gone on forever. If we assume for the moment all of them are true, the craziest rumor you ever heard out was true. If, if we assume whatever crazy, like, you know, casino chips or whatever other thing that you've kind of heard over the years uh happen let's say it all happened um the system through all of this has just kind of thrived that that somehow keeping that kind of under the table or keeping that you know kind of off to the side somehow some way the system just kind of functioned fine and so the issue here is not is paying players going to be harmful to college sports because some people will tell you that's been going on for quite some time maybe they know the truth maybe they're just believing wild rumors but but some people would tell you that i think as we move into this new age though it's not the introduction of money uh that has the potential to change all of this because maybe that is true maybe those crazy rumors of the past maybe some of them were true um I think what a lot of folks are curious about is what about introducing the other voices in the players heads how much is that going to you know um how much is that going to complicate things? All of a sudden now it's not just, you know, relationship with player and coach. Now it's relationship with player, coach, and 15 other things. You know, I think that's one of the things that some people may have some questions about. But one way or another, the Fred Taylor story kind of went viral. It involved Georgia, so I thought you might ought to know a little bit about that. Uh, a couple of basketball notes here real quick. First of all, Final Four this weekend, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, Duke, Carolina, big-time game. Villanova, uh, Kansas, they are certainly blue bloodish type programs. Kansas, for sure. Villanova, as of late. So this is a pretty high-powered Final Four. I know it's a hot ticket in New Orleans. Great venue for something like this. So i got to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the Final Four this weekend. I'm kind of curious to find out maybe if you are there as well. And then one more basketball note. So this is interesting. There were a lot of Georgia fans, former Georgia players, Georgia stakeholders, donors, things like that, that were hoping that Jonas Hayes, the former dog player and assistant, would be the head coach here. Georgia instead going the direction of experience with Mike White from Florida and Jonas Hayes, after that, stepping in as an interim head coach for Xavier because Xavier moved on from its previous head coach, eventually hired Sean Miller uh, to come back home to Cincinnati there to coach the, um, is the Musketeers. Is that what they are? Um, you know, bringing them back into the uh, into the fold. But uh, Jonas Hayes working as interim during the NIT and actually led Xavier to the NIT title, cutting down the nets. I guess you cut down the nets for an NIT win. Uh, over Yeah, there, there's a photo of him actually cutting down the nets right there, for those of you watching on video, over protects A&M who also felt like it should have been in the NCAA tournament and had a nice run through that uh postseason but Xavier ends up getting the win so I think it does set up some curiosity about what happens next for Jonas Hayes after a lot of folks questioned his level of experience and he went out and won some games as an interim head coach now listen I like Jonas a lot I still think that given the choice of having a coach head coach who's been in the NCAA tournament quite a bit and had some success in that tournament at least a little bit of success in that tournament I feel like Georgia probably made the right decision here. I have to admit that I that I feel that way, but I am happy for Jonas, and I am certainly very interested to see what happens for him because he certainly appears to be a coaching star on the rise. It's just a matter of how quickly that 
rise is going to take place, but uh, pretty good stuff from a Jonas Hayes right there. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, speaking of really good stuff, I am really excited about this as we head towards the uh, month of April, which actually kind of begins today. We are about to see Major League Baseball coming back. And obviously, this is a special time in our city to have Major League Baseball coming back because it comes back with the Atlanta Braves as the reigning World Series champions. Things have been really good around here as of late, and I hope you've noticed that. Braves reigning World Series champs, Georgia reigning national champs, and as we head towards the start of the Braves season, we get a chance to celebrate both those things at the same time, and this is a really big deal. So Braves about to kick off the season. They're going to do what they're going to call a week of champions, or or champions week on April the 7th through the 13th. This is a great way to welcome back the Braves uh, to the start of the season, back at Truist Park playing games again. And there's a very special event going to be going on on April 13th that I want you to know about. That's a day game against the Washington Nationals on 1220. At 1220, that's the game time there that day. So here's what's going to happen before the Braves take on the Nationals on uh, April 13th at 1220 p.m. You're going to have both trophies in the same place at the same time. The Braves World Series trophy is going to be there and Georgia's National Championship trophy is going to be there. You could literally get your picture taken with both trophies at the same time that's going to happen from 10 a.m until noon there that day uh now you got to have a game to get your uh to get the picture of the trophies but who wouldn't want to go to the game anyway so that's even better to have a day game day baseball is so much fun and both championship trophies there together leading into the day game against the nats makes it even better let me tell you how much fun this is going to be we're going to do dog nation daily that day live from we're doing sport and social which is right there in the battery so uh, the great venue sport and social terrific restaurant uh cool place to hang out before braves games anyway we're going to be there on april 13th doing our show and both trophies the braves world series trophy and the national championship trophy going to be there together if you've got your game ticket you can get your picture taken with both trophies at the same time uh that is going to be awesome once you come say hello to us it's going to be a cool day to celebrate the braves celebrate the dogs and do it all in style so if you want to find out more about this the website to go to is braves.com slash champions week that's braves.com slash champions week let me say it one more time braves.com slash champions week we'll see you there on april 13th the twelve twenty game against the nats both trophies but also the braves back celebrating their world series as they get ready to begin the 2022 campaign right there in truest park gonna be really good stuff all right let's roll through some golden shoes here before we play the music because i got a lot of those to give out today some really fun stuff including this one our first one kind of an old school blast in the past you kind of always love to see the folks going to take it back to a, a bygone era and that's what our first golden shoe is for today our buddy george on tap sharing this the uh, dog kind of relieving himself if you will on the florida helmet he says one of my uh, best dog buddies and housemates made this back in the 90s it's been copied many times i know dog nation daily will like this one i do there as well because we always like beating up on those lousy stinking gators but anything, anything that kind of kind of throws it back to the back in the day i'm always very happy about that so george on tap a great twitter guy we'll give him a golden shoe for that today by the way speaking of prolific twitter folks another golden shoe going the way of mad dog here this is very funny he says when's the last time your team won a national championship <laughs> He's got uh, Bill Clinton with the Tennessee hat on for 1998, George Bush with the Florida hat on for uh, 2008. So uh, pretty funny stuff from Mad Dog who gives you the hashtag own the East, something that Georgia has certainly made its own plenty of times and uh, looking forward to hopefully doing there again in 2022 there as well. Very funny stuff from Mad Dog. And then Keith Pitts with the response to all that. I haven't seen this particular meme. This is very well done. For those of you listening, radio podcast, 
This is the old school Bulldog face logo that was very popular like back in the 80s. But the hat is the 2021 National Champions hat. This is really well done by uh, Keith Pitts here and a great meme in its own right. Uh, really, really cool stuff there. And then the coolest thing of all, how about last night on uh, television, walk-off fashion, dogs win, dogs win, dogs win, the Georgia baseball account said, uh, as Georgia gets the walk-off win against uh, Florida last night, lousy stinking Gators, with Jonathan Cannon going today for uh, for the Diamond Dogs, a chance to, to do some big things against those lousy stinking Gators. You love to see that. As we fire up the music, by the way, uh, Golden Shoe indeed for the Diamond Dogs and that. Here's something that kind of occurred to me, and I mentioned this to our video audience before the show began. Celebrating that win last night against the uh, against uh, the lousy stinking Gators made me realize I think there's a part of me as a Georgia fan that actually enjoys beating Florida in sports other than football more than football for one reason in particular is like Florida fans have kind of taken on this deal of since they're not very good in football they now think it's more sophisticated to like other sports have you noticed this Auburn fans are kind of becoming the same way there as well where it's this thing of oh you redneck Georgia fans all you care about football but look at how good we are at blah 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 sport. So when Georgia can beat Florida in one of those other sports, it actually almost feels a little sweeter to me. <laughs> Not to say I'm getting tired of beating Florida in football, because I never will, but that's just a feeling that's occurred to me. I don't know if it's occurred to you there as well. By the way, speaking of that long title drought for those lousy, stinking Gators, how long has it been? We'll keep reminding them, 4,831 days. Boy, tough to be a Gator, and it's going to be tough to be a Gator again. 211 days from right now. Georgia back in Jacksonville beating them up again. That is your Gator Hater countdown to close out the week. This is Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, and great to have all of you here with us for that. And it's also nice to see, as I kind of scroll through Twitter here a little bit, Jason Huggins and Ann uh, Pompano and others really having fun with Georgia's baseball win against Florida last night. And I, I love to see that because I told you this, I have really grown to appreciate college baseball as a sport. I've always you know, kind of liked it. And obviously, anytime Georgia's playing, it's always fun to root for the dogs. But I don't think five years ago, I probably quite understood just how much fun college baseball can be. And listen, you know, a lot of these games take place at kind of a busy time for me. I'm not as plugged in. Sometimes I wish I, that I was. But when you see in the way in which some of these games get, you know, big response from fans, especially when you beat a rival or you, you have a series win against the national champs the way that they did the other day against Mississippi State, you really got to get the sense, you, you kind of get the sense that, man, there's a growth opportunity even within the UGA community for all of this. I think if you're in Athens, I think you have an idea that it's really fun to go to these games. Maybe sometimes folks not traveling as far to go watch the baseball or whatever else, but it's just a, it's a fun thing to be able to see. So uh, I mean, I'm glad to know that folks are having a good time with that and hope that maybe for some of us who like live in the Atlanta area are a little bit more far removed. And obviously for a show like this, you know, we have to kind of play the hits. We have to give the audience what they expect, which is a lot, a lot of football talk. But, you know, I'm hopeful that, hey, maybe there'll continue to be this growth and continue to be this interest in this as a sport because I think for the folks who do tune in to watch the baseball, it's really a lot of fun. Uh, one thing I'll also give you a little bit of a heads up on, as we head towards next week, we are going to have a couple of pre-recorded shows. And the reason for this is we have some producers that are going to be out of town. You know, the, the couple of guys that help us the most are both going to be enjoying some time off, which I'm glad they're getting a chance to do. But no producer means doing the show is just a little bit different than it normally would be. So we're going to do a couple of things pre-recorded next week, but that shouldn't impact too much because we're going to do it like 
Tuesday, right? We're to record them Tuesday and run them the rest of the week. So they shouldn't be too dated or anything like that. Well, I thought we had a pretty good run of shows a, a couple of months ago when we when we did that. So so hopefully it'll be good this time around there as well. So uh, that's a little bit of a look ahead to uh, to next week. Hope you all have a great weekend. Thanks for being here for our R.S. Andrews Cool Down on the podcast and Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here on Monday.